Today's service was recorded live at St. Peter's by the Sea Episcopal Church, located at 72 Central Street, Narragansett, Rhode Island. It was recorded on Sunday, October 3rd, 2021, Proper 22. The readings were from the book of Job, Psalm 26, Hebrews, and the book of Mark. The Lord be with you, and also with you. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you are always more ready to hear than we to pray, and to give more than we either desire or deserve. Pour upon us the abundance of your mercy, forgiving us those things of which our conscience is afraid and giving us those good things for which we are not worthy to ask, except through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Job. There was once a man in the land of us whose name was Job. That man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. One day the heavenly beings came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. The Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one like him on earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. He still persists in his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him for no reason. Then Satan answered the Lord, skin for skin. All that people have, they will give to save their lives. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well, he is in your power. Only spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and inflicted loathsome sores on Job from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. Job took a potsherd with which to scrape himself and sat among the ashes. Then his wife said to him, Do you still persist in your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as any foolish woman would speak. Shall we receive the good at the hand of God and not receive the bad? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. 
the word of the Lord. reading from the letter to the Hebrews. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by a son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the worlds. He is the reflection of God's glory in the exact imprint of God's very being and he sustains all things by his powerful word. When he had made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Now God did not subject the coming world about which we are speaking to angels, but someone has testified somewhere what are human beings that you are mindful of them or mortals, that you care for them? You have made them for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned them with glory and honor, subjecting all things under their feet. Now in subjecting all things to them, God left nothing outside their control. 
As it is, we do not yet see everything in subjection to them, but we do see Jesus, who for a little while, while was made lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. It was fitting that God, for whom and through whom all things exist, in bringing many children to glory, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For the one who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one Father. For this reason, Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. The word of the Lord. A reading from the Gospel according to Mark. Some Pharisees came, and to test them they asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of dismissal and to divorce her. But Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote this commandment for you. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Then in the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter. He said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. People were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them. And the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them. For it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom as a little child will never enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Our choir needs to do a little shifting for health purposes. You're fine. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. As we read through the stories of the ancients, whether it be the book of Genesis or the book of Exodus and on through, we see two themes that run through these stories. The first and great question to be answered is, 
Who is it that created all the heavens and the earth and us? And what is that relationship that our Creator wants with us? And the second question being, why is there human suffering? Just take a look at the book of Genesis. Why is there human suffering? The answer is simple. Because humanity has disobeyed God. And because of that, we have been cast out of the Garden of Eden and forced to suffer the lot of mortality. Look at the story of the flood. Because of our own hardness of heart and our refusal to live in the ways of God, all but two of humanity were wiped out. So the answer becomes simple. We suffer because of sin. But then the question has to be asked, why do the righteous suffer? After all, as the psalmist said, the Lord allows the rain to fall upon both the righteous and the unrighteous. That question becomes a little bit harder. And so we turn our eyes to the story of Job, a most wonderful part of our wisdom literature, a parable that attempts to begin to answer the question of the ages. Why do bad things happen to good people? And there, through the 30 chapters, we explore the possibility as to why. Although the book begins, it's a bit unsettling. Why do bad things happen to good people? Because God and the devil want to toy with us? I think not. Why does God allow the devil to toy with Job? Because God is proud of Job. He knows his steadfastness and believes that he will remain loyal to God no matter what the devil throws at him. And as we read through the story in the first chapter, Job, a man of great resources, great wealth, and great joy, in the blink of an eye, loses his family, his livestock, and all that he has, and yet, when confronted, continues to be steadfast in his loyalty to God. But then the devil says, look, it's easy to say steadfast. Nothing has become of him physically. He has had no physical suffering. See what happens if he is to suffer physically. And so the God gives permission to the devil to afflict him as long as he not kill him. And yet, even at his wife's insistence, he does not condemn God. Even when his friends go to him and ask him to confess, what is it that he has done so wrong that this calamity would bring, that such calamity would be brought upon him? Job says, I have done nothing. 
And through the story, Job stays steadfast in his loyalty to God. And yet, he questions God along the way. And there's a wonderful dialogue between he and God over what is going on as he complains to God, why has this come upon me? This is not in the natural order. I have been good. However, when the story ends, we still have no answer to the basic question. Why bad things happen to good people? The answer is still left within the mysterium of the cosmos. There is no answer as to why bad things happen. Human suffering is part of mortality and the lot in which we live. And so the question becomes, where is their hope? And so we have this morning's letter from the book of Hebrews, or the letter of Hebrews, in which the writer addresses a suffering congregation. The people to whom this initially is written is a young, nascent church that had a great growth in the beginning and then hit obstacles along the way. Over time, there was illness, there's persecution, and even the most steadfast begin to pull away from the congregation. And the question of the congregation is, where is God? And why do we suffer so? And to this, the author writes his reply. Now, it's interesting, if you look at his argument, he doesn't actually directly say, well, God is here or God is there. This is all you have to worry about. But what he begins with is basically the same tactic that Vince Lombardi took when he began coaching the Green Bay Packers. He literally, in his first meeting with the players, introduced them to the football. And just like Vince Lombardi introducing his players to the football and saying, we need to go back to basics, the writer brings his people back to basics and brings them to our story of who and what we believe as a Christian people. And there he tells us, when the question is asked, where is God in all this darkness that is surrounding us? He reminds us of the loving God that we believe in. The God who gave, in, the God who created humanity and gave us control over all the earth. All things are in subjection at our feet, he tells us. And then he talks about how God, who is greater than the angels, allows his son to come and become less than the angels as the word incarnate, to take on our human suffering, 
to fully know and experience that which we on earth as mortals experience day to day. And ultimately what he tells us is that while suffering is part of the human condition, we who believe do not suffer alone, for we have the companionship of a compassionate and loving God who journeys through the darkness with us, who has fully understood and experienced the worst of human devastation, and who never abandons us. In the story, The Shack, the protagonist is brought into the courtroom, assuming that it is he who is on trial, only to find out it is not he who is on trial, but he who has been allowed to put God on trial. And what is the burning question in terms of his belief that God is guilty? Where was God when his beloved little daughter was kidnapped and killed? Why did he let such an atrocious thing happen on this earth? And the answer the writer gives us is not all that different from one who wrote in the late 19th century. Horace Bicknell writes that in the midst of our darkness, God is there. As Paul explains, as the writer to the Hebrews states, but God has put us in charge of all things. Paul will tell us that he has given us free will to choose to love or not to love God, to turn towards the light and live within it, or to take our back and turn and live within the darkness. And God will not stop that or take that free will away. But in the midst of that darkness, God will call and call and call again. Where was God? The answer from the shack tells us. Right there in that cabin. Right there comforting holding that child right there, begging and hoping that this atrocity would stop. It is no different than the atrocities we see in this life and we ask, where is God? God is there. God is calling us to the light, calling the perpetrators to the light. God is grieving that which we as human beings do to each other. And God is there companioning those who suffer. I've often said to people who ask me in times of illness or in suffering, where is God? Where was God? And I say, God was right there. So why could I not see God, they ask. Because so often in times of suffering and despair, we look straight into the darkness itself where God cannot be seen. 
What we need to do in our times of despair and suffering is to look up and to look out. For there you will find the light of God permeating into the darkness and eventually leading us from the darkness back into the light of life itself. So why do bad things happen to good people? Even the wisdom of the ancients cannot tell us the answer to that question. But where is God in the midst of suffering? That, our writer to the Hebrews tells us, right there with us, willing, for, willing to reach out and to guide us through that darkness back into the light of life itself. Amen. The Prayers of the People In peace we pray to you, Lord God, for all people in their daily life and work, for our families, friends, and neighbors, and for those who are alone, for this community, the nation, and the world, for all who work for justice, freedom, and peace, for the just and proper use of your creation, for the victims of hunger, fear, injustice, and oppression, for all who are in danger, sorrow, or any kind of trouble, for those who minister to the sick, the friendless, and the needy, for the peace and unity of the Church of God, for all who proclaim the gospel and all who seek the truth, for Michael, our presiding bishop, and Nicholas, our bishop, and for all bishops and other ministers, for all who serve God in his church, for the special needs and concerns of this congregation. In our parish cycle of prayer, we pray especially for Christopher and Michelle Little, John and Jean Lockwood, and Thomas and Sheila Malcolm. In our diocesan cycle of prayer, we pray for St. Francis Coventry. Hear us, Lord, for your mercy is great. We thank you, Lord, for all the blessings of this life. And we give thanks for those who be baptized in the coming weeks. We pray and give thanks especially for Quinn. We give thanks and pray for those who are to be married here at St. Peter's. For Anais and Michael, Trevor and Taylor, Rebecca and Norm, Jillian and Kevin. We will exalt you, O God, our King, and praise your name forever and ever. We pray for all who have died, that they may have a place in your eternal kingdom. Let us pray for the 700,000 people who have died in this country alone as a result of COVID-19. Let us pray for all who are displaced by violence. And let us pray for the Brown family as they grieve the loss of Dan, a husband and father. Lord, let your loving kindness be upon them who put their trust in you. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. 
most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you. Forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen you in all goodness and by the power of the Holy Spirit. 